the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. So I'd like to welcome you back uh, to uh, uh, Let Us Reason podcast. And uh, last week, if you are listening to this podcast, of course, it would have been last week when uh, you've heard me um, interviewing our dear brother here, Joel Richardson, about the possible location for the real Mount Sinai. And uh, Joel mentioned a number of evidence as to why he believes that's where the location will be. Now, this particular uh, podcast, of course, is still part of this unique live stream that we are doing here in studio. So we have people right now watching us live on Facebook, and we have also people watching us live on YouTube. If you like to see some of the images that we will be sharing, that's for you if you're uh, listening to this podcast, you can go to my Facebook page, alfadi.sira, look for this particular live stream on October 27th, or just go to my YouTube channel, Sira International, and we will be calling this Uh, Mount Sinai in Arabia, uh, live stream, probably, or something to that extent. So, um, Joel, um, what are some of the images that you like to share with our live audience right now as to why you believe this alternate location coincide with biblical evidence? Okay. So let me start with something that is often referred to popularly as the split rock of Moses. So, obviously, within the biblical narrative, there's the story where the Lord tells Moses to go stand before something that's called the rock at Horeb. Mm-hmm. Okay, the rock at Horeb. Now, when you look at pictures of this whole region, there's one thing that's very clear. There's a lot of rocks. Um, there's gajillions of rocks. Okay, so when the Lord says, go strike the rock at Horeb, it's pretty clear that he's referring to something that was a well-known, identifiable landmark. It's a rock of particular, peculiar, uh, I mean, it stands out, okay? And he says, strike the rock with a staff. And as the account says, water gushed forth. Um, and this was enough water, of course, to feed all of the, 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 uh, the Jews. I mean, it's hard to know exactly how many, but there was a lot. Okay, and in other places in the Bible, for example, at the end of Isaiah 48, it says, O Lord, um, you, in the Hebrew, baka, you split the rock. In the wilderness, you split, you clave the rock in the wilderness, and the water gushed forth. This is not, uh, for those that are old enough, you know, this is not the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, out came some bubbling crude, you know, this is not like a little trickle, like the water is gushing out of it. The rock is split. So we've got a few criteria. We're looking for a massive rock that would, of all the rocks in the area, would stand out. 
Two, it's split down the middle, and the right. water gushed forth. And you'll see evidence of water. Yeah, I by mean, the way, I looked at the images. I'm a geologist, uh, by the way, and I can tell you, I see sedimentation in there, and that's evidence of water. Yeah, and this is yeah. the thing. I'm not a geologist, so yeah. I want to be careful. Yeah. But when I look at it, it clearly looks to me like massive water erosion right. at right. the base of this rock. Right. So obviously, on the radio, they can't see the picture. But for those that are on the live stream, um, you've got a few pictures up there. One is the rock. Now, let me just say this: from the ground to the top of the rock is a couple hundred feet. Wow, okay. The rock itself that's sticking out of the hill is 65 feet tall. I mean, people can see it from afar, as you can see. Yeah, you're talking yeah. six stories tall, just the rock. In one of the pictures there, you can, can you see me standing down at the base? Yes, as a, basically as a scale here, yep. And that doesn't really even communicate. I look a lot bigger because the rock's far back. And, the, and also, look, it's split, brother. And this is another thing for those who are uh, Arab speakers. That's why we call it Jabal al-Lowz. It looks like Lowe's almond, if you wish, or pistachio, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah and it's, I mean, so, and then the next picture, you can see what looks like this place of massive water erosion at the base of this split. Yeah, and you see sedimentation? This indicates, by the way, water flowing uh, downward, and that's where you have these layers, as you can see, mud, basically, because usually when water gushes out uh, from a specific source, the heavy residues will uh, reside there, and then everything else will start flowing. And my hope is that in time, as this thing becomes open, that we can actually get some scientists in there to actually shoot a seismic and to see if there's any type of underlying straw, so to speak. If there's, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. with technology that we have today, we can actually investigate these things. And, um, you know, perhaps it's just a coincidence. Perhaps it's just a coincidence that you have this massive rock which perfectly aligns with the specific biblical criteria yep. that's in the right location near this mountain that has this ancient Jewish tradition attached to it. You know, perhaps it's just a coincidence. Right. But to me, I look at it and I go, I don't think it's a coincidence. And, and uh, Radioactive is asking a question here. Is it true a menorah was found in, uh, carved in there? And I believe that the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. And this was found in 2006 by a guy named Dr. Kim. He was there working for one of the Saudi royals. And in these ancient petroglyphs, there's clearly a menorah. And unfortunately, just this past year, um, someone went back and it's been destroyed. It's, hmm. it's been chipped but away. But there was images of it, I think? Yeah, captured? in fact, I've yeah. got images at the very end of the slides is a right. picture of the menorah. Yeah. Um, the, the guys in the room are controlling the slides, so it's quite down there. But it's very clear. It's a seven branched exactly. menorah. Exactly. I did see that image. And uh, sadly, probably somebody destroyed it because of its association with Israel, if you wish, or the Jews. Yeah. And there's yeah. pictures. Uh, there's been pictures of it on the internet. And Dr. Kim was very careful to protect it. So there's a picture of the menorah. Clearly, seven neatly drawn branches right. with the base. Um, and there is Hebrew writing also. You can see that as well. Yeah, it's very ancient. Yeah. Now, again, you know, the yeah. secular scholars will call this Thamudic uh, script, and they'll, you know, they argue about the, the dating and the timing of it. But the thing of it is, now, let me just say this. These petroglyphs which surround, there's many of them that surround, they're, they're throughout the whole Arabian Peninsula, but there's many around the mountain. These are made with a rock chipping through this dark outer layer of what's called desert varnish. It's a microbial uh, idiosyncrasy that happens you know, out in the desert. And when they chisel through it, it goes to the lighter granite underneath. Um, there are also paintings 
there's also paintings that are different. They're not made with rocks. They're right. actually made with pigments of some kind. And the first time I went, I actually found a bunch of these paintings. First time anyone had ever discovered these or found those. And they're essentially pictures of archers. It's a whole mural of maybe right. 30... Like fighters or warriors, you know? Shooting arrows. Yeah, yeah. And I took pictures. There's some, there's some right there. They're shooting arrows. And, you know, amazingly, this is out in the middle of nowhere. I had good cell reception. Yeah. And I texted back to my wife, and I said, hey, look what I found. And there, for what it's worth, the reason that this has been preserved is because it's on the underside of a small cave-like structure. So it's been protected from the elements. And I texted it to my wife, and she said, that's exactly like it says in Exodus 19. And I said, well, yeah. I, I, it, didn't, it didn't register. And so in Exodus 19, the Lord says to Moses, tell the people to consecrate themselves, because on the third day I'm about to come down on the mountain. He says, but tell them, set up boundaries around the base of the mountain. Tell them not to approach the foot of the mountain. If they do, they will either be stoned to death or shot through with arrows. Mm -hmm. And right at the base of the mountain, exactly as the biblical narrative describes, you have this mural of archers, which is essentially the equivalent for those Americans will get the joke that says this property protected by Smith and Wesson. You know, keep out type of thing. <laughs> the ancient uh, Smith and Wesson. Exactly. Um, uh, let's see if we have any questions. And by the way, there is a gentleman by the name Muhammad is warning me that I'm going to face Allah on a day of judgment. Which Allah are you talking about? Uh, by the way, I'll take on this Allah that you are bringing here and I dare him to even face me right now. So where is Allah? Allah, come on down here. I'm waiting for you. So anyway, uh, any questions for us, folks? Uh, because, uh, you know, here we have Joel. And uh, this is one of those rare opportunities for you to interact with us, uh, basically, and uh, ask questions related to this topic. Uh, now, d did you come across or did you hear of uh, Jewish uh, uh, graves in there, for instance? So this is another, another amazing thing. I don't have any of the pictures of this. But... Um, of course, the biblical account, you have the golden calf incident, the golden calf catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And as a result of this, 3,000 were killed and buried. And there actually is a massive graveyard that's it's only a mile or so from the base yeah, of the Let's show the image of the calf, by the way. Yeah, you've got a bunch of pictures of the cows. Right, yeah. And we're going to get into that. Actually, for those that are watching, okay, so you've got pictures of the cows. Now go back to the last slide. I want, to pay, I want you to show you something. Uh, to the other picture of the cow. I guess it's go forward. And notice the person behind the cow. You've got this little stick figure holding the tail. Right. Okay, now skip forward to the next slide. This is a base relief that is in the tomb of Pharaoh Seti in Egypt. Go to the next slide. You've got a better drawing of it. Notice the person behind the cow holding the tail. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing is the critics, and I've read all the stuff, they go, oh, these are just pictures over there in Saudi Arabia. These are just pastoral scenes of, of you know, grazing cows. No, these, these carvings are clearly Egyptian religious iconography. They're, they're virtually identical. And the Jewish people would have brought that with them in the wilderness, still fresh in their mind. Yep. They wanted a calf. Why? Because that's what they're used to seeing. Yep. You had those calf, the calf worship. Now, notice the person under the cow in this particular picture. It looks like he's bench pressing the cow. Go to the next slide. See right there 
in. It's like a herd of cows here. Yeah, but to the center and then a little bit to the right. See the person under the cow? Exactly, holding the same thing, you know, yep. the, the tail. Yeah. This is Egyptian religious iconography. And go to the next slide. This is a little graphic. Um, well, you can't see it. Well, there's the person bench pressing the cow. But there's much more. I mean, there's multiple signs that what took place there was a um, religious, I'm going to say an orgy. Um, and that's exactly what the Bible actually describes. It says um, when, that when they Moses ate. Moses was in the mountain, you know. They ate and drank and they rose up to play. Right, exactly. It was idolatry. It was pagan idolatry. And right. um, there's abundant signs of that. When Moses came down, he was upset because he saw the dancing. And he saw that they're repeating the same thing that uh, they used to do instead of being liberated now following the I am, the mm -hmm. one that set them free. Yeah. And it's a horrible, a horrible thing. And let me just say this, by the way, with regard to the cemetery. We know it's a cemetery because it has numerous uh, metziba, these standing stones. Some of them are four feet tall and hundreds of them, a large area. And when the time comes, I believe, when the Saudi government allows there to be official archaeological digs, I personally think the cemetery is the first place to begin. And I think the treasures, and let me just say this as a side note, I've already been approached since going there, becoming uh, by numerous black market folks that have found all kinds of artifacts. And perhaps some of them are fake, but I'm pretty confident in looking at the pictures. I can't show you the pictures that many of these things are legitimate. And they probably artifacts. came from there. Yeah, they've dug them up. Bedouins find things throughout the region. Right. When the archaeologists get in there, there's going to be an abundance of, of evidence. And uh, that's the hope, really, that this uh, uh, openness that is taking place right now and the location, once again, of this uh, fascinating uh, city, Neom, mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that will open the door for things like this. And I think, uh, you know, um, the crown prince is a visionary man, and he can see the value in... Uh, hopefully protecting these sites and attracting people to come in and just take a look at what's there. Exactly. Yeah. And this is our hope. And, you know, I, I saw in the comments people ask, well, why did the Saudis put up fences around it to, to hide it? And this is often what you hear, again, and, you know, people will ask, like, the Saudis are trying to hide this. Well, look, in the 1980s and 90s, there were um, a few different folks, a handful of folks that snuck in. And they snuck in illegally. illegally. Not, not everyone, but there were a few that snuck in illegally and they were taking pictures. And look, um, this is not an issue of them trying to hide the truth. It's an issue of them trying to protect this treasure that they have. No one wants a bunch of crazy Americans sneaking into their country um, to archaeological sites that are exposed to do things like, for example, I'm not saying the Americans destroyed the menorah, but these things need to be protected. And for what it's worth, they've done a great job of protecting these things and our hope in the future is that in the sa same way that they've already done with Maidin Salah, they've created a beautiful archaeological park. You can go there today. It is, in, it is the southern Petra. It's going to become a tremendous place of tourism. Our hope is that this whole region, as they develop Neom, that it's not just, well, here's the golden calf altar and there's a fence around it, that the entire region will be fenced off to preserve the... Um, the isolation and the atmosphere of the place, that, that this doesn't become a place, you know, in five years where there's a whole bunch of folks selling trinkets at the base of the mountain, that tourists from all over the world can come and enjoy this and experience 
the, the sense of awe that I experienced when I was there, to understand that here is arguably the most foundational biblical site in the world, really apart from Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And the Lord himself has just preserved it and protected it out there. And for people to see it, it really is an incredibly faith-inspiring place in, in a profound, profound way. That's wonderful. And uh, by the way, I want to thank all of you, of course. Uh, it looks like there is uh, uh, north of 350 people watching us right now, some from Kuwait, uh, some from Amsterdam, some from the U.K., some uh, somebody from Dubai uh, was watching us. So, brother... Uh, it's amazing, really, uh, that uh, people are taking the time to do this. We want to remind you to subscribe, by the way, to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. I also uh, encourage you to become a Patreon patron. And here is a pitch I'm going to throw at you. I'm looking for 100 patrons to join the team. It is through these kind of sources of income, by the way, we are able to raise some funding, some support to enable us to uh, uh, produce these videos. And by the way, uh, you can be a $1 uh, giver, a $5 giver, a $10. We're not asking you for an amount. We're just looking for more and more troops like you to uh, join in our team and back us up to enable us to do things like this. You can always, of course, use PayPal if you if that's your favorite, uh, basically, way. Thank you, of course, for those who are listening to us through this podcast, Let Us Reason. We have, brother, about maybe seven minutes, give or take, before I wrap it up. Why don't you give people, uh, you know, a summary of this series that you and I are doing at what exactly they're going to learn through all of these videos that we called Mount Sinai in Arabia? So essentially in this uh, podcast, this live stream, we're just skipping a rock over the surface and just touching on a bunch of the archaeological and historical reasons as to why I believe and, and really the solid evidence as to why Jebel Aloz is the true Mount Sinai. Uh, in the series that we've done, we've slowed down. We've really worked through each issue individually, and we're looking at a lot of pictures and laying it out so that people can really understand it. So we're doing a deeper dive. Um, we're just doing a really quick summary here. Right. So. Right. And uh, the series, by the way, we don't know yet how many videos is going to end up, but, uh, but, but we wanted to take our time also to make sure that you you know, the uh, the viewers, the audience will benefit from it because there is no need for us to rush. You've seen some images already that probably uh, are fascinating. So imagine now when we put it together in an actual video series, and that's exactly what we will be addressing. We are going to combine these images with biblical references along with real experiences, uh, you know, especially in this case, Joel himself has been there. He's not relying on secondhand sources, by the way. He himself been there. He has taken at least a group of people to go there. I have myself looked at these videos, and some of the people who have been with them uh, came back convinced that there is so much compelling evidence, um, you know, that they have exhibited themselves or watched, I should say, that uh, will be really hard to deny at least the possibility, at least the possibility that this is the alternate site for the real Mount Sinai. At the end of the day, folks, I mean, we're not here selling you a real estate, okay? It's not, uh, that's not what we're doing. We're really here to uphold the authority and the authenticity of the scripture. And in this case, I'm hoping my Muslim people, especially my Saudi people, will be fascinated by this, share it with as many of them as you know, uh, so that they can go and, and see for themselves the amazing story of God and how God reached out to man in person and where Christ comes from 
as the savior for mankind. Uh, anything else, brother, that you want to add to this? Uh, anything e interesting, exciting, any new news that you've heard maybe that prompt you to go back and examine for yourself? No, there's a few other things that we didn't touch on. Um, I'm looking at some of the comments. A few folks are asking concerning the nature of the mountain itself. So for the guys in the control room, there's a picture of the mountain. Um, and if you're able to kind of scroll and find that and put that up for those that are watching. So this is interesting, and I want to be real careful. The top of the mountain, okay, you're a geologist, and maybe you can even help me with this. The top of the mountain is essentially basalt. Right. It's volcanic basalt. Now, the rest of the mountain is granite. Now, what a lot of people say is they say, well, God came down in fire on the mountain, and that's the reason it's charred or blackened. No, because, again, volcanic basalt and granite are two different, you know, one has more silica. I don't, and throughout, and here's what, here's, this is something that's been thrown out a lot as evidence. Clearly, look, it's mm -hmm. burnt on the top. But when you drive throughout the region, you see seams of basalt in other areas, almost like, you know, uh, geologic strudel, you know, it's been... And you'll see it, by the way, along the western coast of Saudi. I've seen it myself when I was studying. You'll see the basalt everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But it is fascinating because I don't know. I actually did take a rock and a, a big piece of basalt, and I smashed it. And in the center was light granite. So I don't know if that's possible. It did have the appearance as though it was once granted and somehow became charred. And right. These are things that will be investigated more so by right. geologists later. It's fascinating. I just don't put too much stock in that issue itself. But a lot of people have been gripped by the, the appearance of the mountain. It d definitely catches your attention. Right. I mean, there is a possibility that it burned out and basalt basically results uh, from a, a uh, um, definitely high uh, uh, degree or temperature of fire, but uh, gases are um, coming out of it. So that's why it's light. It has a lot of holes in it, you mm -hmm. know, uh, not necessarily as heavy as granite, but it, it's a possibility. I mean, it is definitely worth uh, scientific studies. Uh, one last thing, uh, if you can elaborate one more time about the meaning of Neom, the city itself. Neom simply means new. So essentially what they want to do is create a new city. They want it to be on the absolute cusp of cutting-edge science and technology and green energy. And it's very ambitious. You hear some of the stuff. Um, they want to create an artificial moon in the sky. They want a glow-in-the-dark beach. Yeah. I don't know what that's all about. Yeah. If that's, um, but they want to attract. They want to attract workers and investors from all over the world. They want this thing to be something far, far better than Dubai. Yeah. Um, and, and let me just say this: um, the Red Sea is famous for its coral and so forth. When you drive up that coast, there are some amazing places. There's a place called Wadi Taibalism. It's this crevice through the mountains that is un, it is stunning. When you go swimming there, I have never seen water so perfectly crystal clear and, and coral reefs that are so virgin, untouched. It is an absolutely beautiful part of the world. And so they really do have something stunning. Um, yeah. And I, I believe it's going to be something fascinating. When you look at the, the logo for Neon, by the way, each one of these bands within this five-pointed star, which has upset some people who are really concerned with symbolism. You know, one represents science and technology. Another one represents green uh, energy and all of these different things. And it represents the different facets, the, the quadrants of their development. Very good.
Um, uh, somebody's asking if I do Arabic shows. Yes, I do. And uh, we will continue to record. In fact, I'll be, uh, I've been approached actually to do Arabic shows about the, um, the variant Qurans, by the way, and the variant text readings and the Qiraat that I've done with uh, Joe, uh, I mean, uh, with Jay. And uh, also I'm being asked to talk about Petra and other things like that. So we will do that in the future. And in fact, uh, I'll get permission from Joel here to do a similar uh, topics like this one. Uh, from his hard work, and we want to give him credit, of course, I want to do it in Arabic because a lot of people probably will be fascinated by this. Someone is asking about which part of Saudi are those parts of salt. Um, uh, I think you're talking about basalt. Uh, that, that, that's found uh, on the western region of Saudi. Uh, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. The basalt is just uh, a type of volcanic rock, um, and sometimes people use it in shower, by the way, believe it or not, to rub their skin. You know, so so it's known for that kind of stuff because it's uh, like a sponge, technically speaking. But it's rocky, it's light, you know, and they use it because it's hard on the skin to kind of like, you know, heavy, renew. Heavy exfoliating. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, we're approaching the end of our second podcast, Let Us Reason. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, thank you, as always, for joining us. Hopefully you've enjoyed this particular series. You can go, of course, as always, to my website, Sierra International, and in there you'll find the location for the archive of the Let Us Reason podcast. Those of you who are not familiar with this, who are watching us live right now, you can always go to the uh, website, again, SierraInternational.com, and uh, uh, listen to the last five years of this particular podcast that we've launched uh, back then. As always, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. And uh, consider to become a Patreon patron. Give that way towards this ministry. And you can also give through um, uh, PayPal. With that in mind, thank you so much, brother. And uh, I know people will enjoy this particular series. So thank you for those of you who are watching us on the podcast. And the rest of you, please stay put. We will continue to have a few minutes, uh, extra minutes of dialogue with you. Thank you. This is Al-Fadi. God bless. <laughs>